58. At this, we'll have our opening reading. 58, we'll sing 1, 2, and 4. How wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord, a wonderful Savior to me. He had my soul in the path of the rock, when the rivers of pleasures I see. He had my soul in the cleft of the rock, that shadows and dry thirsted hand. He had my life in the depths of his love, and cows me there with his hands, and cows me there with his hands. How wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord, he takes my burden away. He holds me up and my shadow be moved, he gives me strength he hide my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry thirsted hand. He hide my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hands. And covers me there with his hands. When clothed in his brightness transported His perfect salvation, his wonderful love, as shall the millions on high. He hide my soul in a cleft of rock that shadows and dry thirsted hand. He hide my life in the depths of his love and cover me there with and goes me there with his hands. Good evening. I'll be reading from John 1, verses 1 through 5. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it next song be number three we'll see one two and four and at this we have our opening prayer one two and four Oh, Lord, my God, when I'm in awesome wonder, consider all the worlds that hand have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, the path Saints, my soul, my Savior, God, to thee, how great the heart. 
come before you tonight just thanking you for the beautiful day you have given us and lord as we just sang how great thou art and dear lord we thank you for the rain that we've been getting to water plants and see your power dear lord we want to pray for people who are in our bulletin tonight we especially want to pray for miss beverly king as she's been diagnosed with a heart condition um, be with her, just be with her family. And dear Lord, we pray for everybody else who is sick and who have lost loved ones. We especially want to pray for the Pat Warren family as she has lost her granddaughter. Um, just be with that family, comfort them, just be with them. Dear Lord, we also want to thank you for the blessings that you have given us throughout life. And we thank you for just everything you've given us and everything you've created. And dear Lord, we especially thank you for your son Jesus who died on the cross for the remission of our sins. And it's through his name we pray. Amen.
Our invitation song tonight would be number 562. 562. Now the song before the last would be number 643. Let's stand and sing, please. Let's sing one and three. One and three. I heard a story how a savior came. Appreciate that great song about the blood of Jesus. Well, I decided to do another story behind the song. I always, I guess, get favorable uh, responses from doing the, the hymn stories. And we sing these so often, but never really explore the story behind it, why it was written about the authors. And so I want to do that tonight. And so I brought several resource material up to me, uh, with me tonight. Uh, 101 hymn stories. There's actually two books. There's 101 more hymn stories by Kenneth. Osbeck, and it's a, a great little book, a, a good resource that tells a lot about stories. You can research songs on the internet, go to Wikipedia to look up songs and uh, the authors of those songs. It's, a, it's an interesting research and study. Tonight, what I want to do is talk about uh, one of the songs that we've, we've sung for many years, Rescue the Perishing, if you'll open up your hymn book, number 243, 243. We're going to look at some of the stanzas and, and the chorus, and I want to probably, this is a little bit of a different presentation tonight where it's not just exclusively on the song, but I'd, Fanny Crosby's such a fascinating um, person in history and was such a prolific poet uh, and songwriter, 
And what amazed me, you probably noticed the dark glasses. Yes, she was blind from uh, almost birth. And so we're going to talk about that and her attitude um, toward her blindness. Uh, in uh, William H. Doan is also mentioned at the bottom. And in case you don't know, uh, you have basically one person who will score the melody, uh, and that would be a composer. William H. Doan had a great history in the songwriting uh, business and in writing hymns where he could think of tunes in his mind. So he'd think of a tune, he'd write it, score it out, and then send it to somebody like Fanny J. Crosby, who had the gift of crafting words. And so I, I just think, this is at least in my mind, that God working between these two talented people, one would have the, the song, the melody, the other would have the, the, the words and have something happen in their life or impact them, and they would, uh, maybe through the Spirit's guidance, write uh, the, the words to go with the tune, and voila, you have a hymn, a hymn that has been created that has touched the hearts of billions and billions of Christians throughout generations, and so that's the story behind Rescue the Perishing. As I was researching uh, this particular song, this, the passage from Isaiah 61.1 uh, was mentioned, And this is when Jesus stood up and read in the synagogue from Isaiah 61.1. He's reading about himself, now the Messiah, here to reach out and to literally rescue the perishing. So what does Isaiah say? Moved by the Spirit in Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance to comfort all who mourn. So this is uh, something Jesus shared with his listeners. Now you may recall, uh, after a few words said in the synagogue on that same reading, uh, they became enraged at Messiah. They got so angry at him, as a matter of fact, they drove him to the edge of town and were planning to throw him off uh, the precipice or a cliff but he sort of vanished in their midst and escaped their attempts to kill him. So even Jesus, reading from the prophet Isaiah 61, people hated him. They didn't like him. They didn't like what he had to say. So nobody ever said that going out and rescuing the perishing is an easy business. Sometimes people will hate you. Uh, But yet here we are doing the Lord's work and honored and glad to be talking about the blood of Jesus, to sing songs of redemption, mercy, grace, love, and to be so excited about our eternal home, uh, which we will all soon enjoy at the end of this short life. I wanted to do something different tonight. I want to talk a little about Fanny J. Crosby, because I was just so impressed at her life, um, the kind of person she was, the character but I want to first look at the song because I want to do diligence to, to the song Rescue the Perishing. We're going to sing in a moment stanza one in the chorus, but I just want to read, if you'll read with me, uh, number 243, Rescue the Perishing, Care for the Dying, Snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Weep o'er the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. Stanza two, though they are slighting him, still he's waiting, waiting the penitent child to receive. Plead with them earnestly, plead with them gently. He will forgive if they truly believe. 
down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter. Feelings lie buried that grace can restore. Touched by a loving hand, wakened by kindness, chords that were broken will vibrate once more. I, I like that third stanza because it almost implies a restoration of maybe an erring Christian. Finally, rescue the perishing. Duty demands it. Strength for thy labor the Lord will provide. Back to the narrow way, patiently win them. Tell the poor wanderer, Savior has died. Let's sing stanza one and the chorus together. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Weep o'er the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus the mighty to save. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. I want to ask you tonight, you think Jesus will save? What do you think, church? Amen. Jesus will save. Church, we need to get excited and realize that we're out there sharing the messages to the lost about Jesus. The blood of Jesus, he's the most powerful entity in existence in this universe, and there's nothing more than he wants that for us to tell the lost and the dying and those that are in a state of rebellion and sin that God loves them. It's the greatest love story. He loves them so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for those who are lost. Now, Fanny J. Crosby, let's talk about her. What an intriguing young woman. And I have uh, a quote that I'll share with you in just a moment. But Francis Jane Van Alstein, later uh, named her, that was her married name. She was a Crosby prior to being married, born March 24, 1820 through February 12, 1915. She was known as Fanny Crosby. She was an American mission worker, poet, lyricist, and composer. She wrote over 8,000, let that sink in, 8,000 hymns. Wow, a prolific writer. Um, more than 100 million copies printed of those songs that she wrote. Now, here's what's interesting. At the end of her life, we're told that she didn't really see herself as a poet or songwriter. You're like, what? <laughs> she saw herself as an evangelist, one who was called to the rescue missions, particularly in and around New York. And so by the end of the 19th century, she was a household name. Everybody knew Fanny J. Crosby. But she felt called, in particular, to win those who had been lost. That was her real passion, and she was so talented. You'll notice in the next slide that she uh, does wear this, the glasses, the darkened glasses. Um, she's called the queen of gospel songwriters, the mother of modern congregational singing in America. There was something that, as America was changing, there was something about her ability to write songs that grabbed our hearts. It really touched us down in our core, our soul. It spoke to us as a people, and it, her words moved us, right? Uh, Ira Sankey, which you may know, is the famous song leader who was with the Moody Sankey Evangelical Campaigns. Uh, she said basically that their campaigns were successful simply because of Fanny J. Crosby songs. It was her songs that were led almost exclusively 
at their evangelical campaigns, which touch thousands and thousands and thousands of lives. So he's saying, basically, she was a powerhouse of an ability to move hearts as we went across the country preaching Christ. Here's a list of some of her songs, not all of them, just a few that you may know. Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Tenderly Calling You Home, Praise Him, Praise Him, Rescue the Perishing, and to God be the glory. Um, Jesus is tenderly calling, I believe, is the song I responded to when I was baptized. Uh, some publishers, this is interesting note, in all of the various songbooks that Fanny J. was published in, they were hesitant to keep putting her name in the book over and over and over again. So you know what she did? She had pseudonym or a different name, uh, over 200 different names that she used to publish her songs, because if she kept seeing Fanny J. Crosby, people would begin to wonder, who is this woman, and why is she in so many of our songbooks? Isn't that interesting? Did you know that? 200 different pseudonyms for her songs. Now, I want to talk about her blindness. I want you to imagine, I mean, Gentry and I visit a man that's a member of the church, and he became blind in his 50s, and is blind now, and it's a terrible, terrible plight to be blind. He was sighted at one time at blind. She was blind basically from her early childhood. At six weeks old, as a little infant, she caught a cold and developed inflammation of the eyes. I don't know what that means, but that was the diagnosis. She had inflammation of the eyes. They put mustard poultices to her eyes. Some think that this might have contributed to her blindness. Uh, It could have done damage to the optic nerves, Um, one of the modern physicians commenting on her condition said maybe this was a congenital problem uh, given her age. We don't know what caused her blindness, but we know this, that before she was even old enough to remember seeing, uh, she was blind. So listen to this comment about her blindness. Of her blindness, she makes the following, and I put in parentheses, faith-filled observation. In other words, this is what she said about being a young woman, Uh, blind. She said this, it seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life. I thank him for the dispensation or condition. If perfect earthly sight were offered me tomorrow, I would not accept it. I might not have sung hymns to the praise of God. She said, if I had been distracted by the beautiful and interesting things about me, Isn't that amazing? She said, you know what? The darkness and the blindness allowed me to create all of these wonderful, godly images and thoughts and focus on God's word and write about him. And if I had been given the gift of sight and was distracted by all the things that I saw around me and the beauty of the world, I wouldn't be what I am today according to God's plan and purpose. That's what she's saying. Then she said, when I get to heaven... First face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of the Savior. She said, you know, the first thing I'll see is the face of Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? I love her. I want to talk about something she wrote. Uh, here's, here's a little poem, all right? Oh, what a happy soul am I. Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, 
I cannot and I won't. You know how old she was? She wrote that. She was eight years old. There's some talent. There's some insight. There's some wisdom from an eight-year-old child. Remarkable. Her father died when she was still an infant. So we're told that her mother and her maternal grandmother helped her memorize long Bible passages and grounded her in the Word of God. Now, I just want to stop. Does that remind you of anybody in the Bible? (laughs) Young Timothy, right? Lois and Eunice. Never underestimate the power of godly parents and grandparents, church. And if you still have the ability to influence little ones in your home, teach them the Word of God. Now, let me share with you something about Fanny J. Crosby. Her mother and grandmother spent time helping her memorize. I think she had a gift. By the age 15, she had memorized all four Gospels. The Pentateuch, you know what the Pentateuch is? It's the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Oh, did I mention she'd memorized the book of Proverbs, the Song of Solomon, and many of the Psalms? By age 15, had she been a sighted young lady and been looking at boys, I suspect she wouldn't have memorized all those things. But she saw this as God's gift to her, a great talent it was. We're told that later in her married life as a young mother, She had a baby girl who died in her sleep, maybe from SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. We don't know, but as a very young infant, this little baby girl died. Some who know Fanny J. Crosby suggest that maybe, maybe she wrote the song Safe in the Arms of Jesus. Yes, she wrote that one when her little infant girl passed away. Think about that. This woman takes adversity, and she honors There's a great lesson in that for us. I love this woman's life. Now, I mentioned in my lesson that at the latter part of her life, she didn't really view herself as a a songwriter, but a mission worker. She loved being at the mission. And so in an interview um, that was published in 1908 in the, uh, the New Haven Register, she said that her chief occupation was working in missions, even though she was a prolific songwriter and a poet. So what I want to do tonight, if you'll allow me, I want to uh, try to tell a story about the origin of the song, because that's what this lesson is tonight, is the story behind the song. So this song was written in 1869, And uh, my understanding is that that these were written in and around her experiences in New York missions. Basically, a mission, if you're not sure what a mission is, this is a place where they have a soup line, a place that's warm, and people that come off the street that are homeless or drug addicts or women of ill repute, somebody at the bottom of the rope that that doesn't have any other place to go is going to show up at the mission, right? We even have one in downtown Nashville. These are for people that are hurting. They don't smell good. Uh, Their life is messed up. They have nothing to offer other than 
here I am, what can you do for me? And so she was drawn into that kind of ministry. So here she is working in a mission. She says, one hot summer evening, there were a bunch of working men that came in. Uh, they needed help. And, and so she said, there was this thought that kept being impressed on my mind, a thought that she kept thinking that there is some mother's boy here, some young man that must be rescued uh, that very night. He, he is here and we need to reach out. He's wandered from his mother's home and teaching. Uh, and, and then she said that she made a plea that he should come to me at the end of the service. <laughs> now, this is a true story. She, this was impressed upon her. I don't know who you are, but out there tonight, as you hear this lesson presented about Jesus Christ, and the speaker was getting ready to come up, there's someone out there, and you need to come home. Your mama wants you to come home because you're an erring one, and she wants you rescued. Now, this came from her heart. Well, the story goes on and says, a young man of 18, he came forward and said, did you mean me? I promised my mother to meet her in heaven, he said, but as I am now living, that would be impossible. So it was written, she said, that we prayed for him. He arose with a new light in his eyes and he exclaimed in triumph, Now I can meet my mother in heaven, for I have found God. I just, that made me stop and, and think, church, who do we know? Who do we know right now who's outside of Christ? Who do we know that's in a state of rebellion that has decided they no, no longer need the church or God? or those religious, arrogant people maybe they grew up with, and they're bitter and they're angry and separated. Who do we know that we can reach? And could we have a heart like Fanny J. Crosby and see ourselves as people working in the mission field? She said that this young man, having exclaimed these things and being led to say the things she said, she went home that very night. She said, Mr. Doan... And you've heard that name before because he's the one that had written the score, the music. Here's, a, here's some music I've written, Fanny. See if you can come up with the tune. Mr. Donan sent me a theme for a new song. And so she said, I sat in the mission that evening and a line came to me, rescue the perishing, care for the dying. I could think of nothing else that night. When I arrived home, I went to work on the hymn at once. Before I retired, it was ready for the melody. The song was published in 1870 in Doan's Songs of Devotion. I don't know about you, church, but I just have to believe when I read these stories, God's Spirit is moving through people, and they make a difference. How many times has that song been sung, Rescue the Perishing, Care for the Dying, and somebody's been touched, a heart has been touched, someone's been moved to rededicate their life to Jesus? And in just a moment... We're going to be singing an invitation song as well. And there may be somebody here tonight who needs to be reunited with God, somebody that needs to repent of sin, or maybe, maybe somebody needs to repent and say, I've never shared Jesus with anybody, and I've been a Christian for 20 years. Repent, church, and realize that we're all here to share the lost, a message of hope.
We're here to tell them about the love of Jesus and make a difference. Because I believe that when we stand before the Lord on that day, Jesus is going to look at us and say, where are those you told about me? Where are those that you reached out to who are searching and hurting for my love? I have none, Lord. I have none to show you. My hands are empty. Will he say, well done? You decide. Ira Sankey, who was the famous song leader of the, of the Sankey and Moody uh, evangelistic uh, campaigns, he tells the story. He wrote a book, My Life and the Story of the Gospel Hymn. Now, I'm sure that, uh, that Mr. Sankey had a lot of fascinating stories to tell. I, I wanted to share this one with you in, in the next few minutes as we close, and I want to apologize. I, I'm going to read it. I normally don't read things like this, but I thought it was just so well written that it's worth sharing. And, and so Sankey says this is based on a true story. It was an event that happened at one of their campaigns, but he writes... On a stormy night, a middle-aged man staggered into the Bowery Mission. He was intoxicated. Remember we talked about the mission where people come, homeless, they don't smell good, they're alcoholics or drug addicts. Yeah, this was one of those guys. His face unwashed and unshaved with clothes soiled and torn. He sank into a seat. Gazing around, he seemed to wonder what kind of place he'd come to. Rescue the perishing and other familiar gospel hymns were sung and seemed to interest him and to recall some memories of his youth, long forgotten. As the leader of the meeting told the simple story of the gospel and how the Lord had come to seek and to save sinners, the man listened eagerly. The leader in his younger days had been a soldier and had seen hard and active service. In the course of his remarks, he mentioned several incidents which had occurred in his experience during the war. And he gave the name of the company in which he had served. At the close of the meeting, the man staggered up to the leader and in a broken voice said, When were you in that company you spoke of? Why, all through the war said the leader. Do you remember the battle of, and he mentioned the battle? Perfectly, the young leader said. Do you remember the name of the captain of your company at that time? Yes, his name was, and he stated the name. You are right. I am that man. I was your captain. Look at me today and see what a wreck I am. Can you save your old captain? I've lost everything I had in the world through drink and don't know where to turn. The story goes on. He was converted that evening and was helped by his friend to a life of usefulness and respectability. The captain often told the story of how God used his former soldier in a mission service 
to rescue his perishing soul. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, there's precious, precious souls out there who need to be saved. I want us to sing one more time this song. We're going to sing the chorus and then the lesson will be yours. There may be somebody tonight who needs the message of Jesus, but more importantly, I believe there's people you know who need the message of Jesus, people who feel rejected by God, people who feel guilty, people who feel worthless, undeserving, but yet God loves all. He cares deeply for you, but he cares also deeply for those you know who are separated from Christ. And so I want to challenge you tonight through this message that Fanny J. Crosby shared with us, that we be involved in rescuing the perishing. Let's sing the chorus one more time, number 243. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come to you tonight and We want to confess before you that we often become distracted. All of us, Father, who are sighted. You see, Father, we we look around and with our eyes, we see the things that distract us. We see things that cause us to long for material things in our heart. Fanny J. Crosby couldn't see. And so in her mind and in her heart, she focused on your word and on her calling as a missionary to work with people who didn't smell good, people who were lost, people that needed Jesus. And Father, she had a passion. Help us to be like Fanny J. Crosby, Father, and to focus on memorizing your word and feeling a a deep sense of burden and responsibility to reach out to the lost. Father, we know that you've told us in your word that to show you that we love you, you said, keep your commandments. We know, Father, that as Jesus was preparing to ascend, after being crucified, he told us to go on to all the world and preach the gospel, to tell others about his love. Father, we meet each Lord's Day and we celebrate the body and the blood of Christ. We understand by covenant what they mean to us, but help us explain what they mean to a lost world, Father. Put it in our hearts to share. Give us faith, Father. Give us courage. Give us passion to stand up and be heard, to be bold and tell other people about the love of Jesus and help us, like Jesus, to be passionate about rescuing the perishing, help those who are hurting and lost. Father, we pray that as we sing this invitation song, you will touch just one heart tonight, someone who needs to, to pray and confess sin or change their life and share the gospel with a lost world. We offer this prayer up to you in the name of Jesus, your precious Son. Amen. Let's stand and sing our invitation song, Wes. Now at the cross, Christ will meet you there. He insists for you. Lift up your voice. Leave with him your care and begin life anew. Here at the cross, here every care.
song tonight will be number 539. Let's sing the first verse. 539. <clears throat> oh, they tell me of a home far beyond the skies. Oh, they tell me of a home far away. Oh, they tell me of a home where the storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an uncloudy day. Oh, the land of cloudless day. Oh, the land of a tongue-cloudy sky. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of a tongue-cloudy Let us bow. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this time you've given us to come together. Father, we thank you for the freedom we have in this country that we can still assemble in public, Father. And we thank you, Father, for Brother Tom and the lesson he brought, the, the rescuing the perishing, Father, is something sometimes we don't know, but we are the one perishing, Father. Uh, Father, we thank you for the great poets like Fanny J. Crosby, Lord, we thank you for the wisdom that they've left for us. Father, we ask that we go through each day that we will look and seek that wisdom of yours, Father, and that we will take that, the things that we have learned and share them with others, that they can know and have the security that we have, Father. And we thank you for the forgiveness of sins that we have, and we ask at this time that you forgive us of those sins. And it's in your Son's great and holy name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> 